0: Welcome to the Corporate Venturing Insider Series, where I interview top practitioners in the CVC world and learn with you the best practices and golden nuggets that they have accumulated over their career. In this episode, we would be learning from Gary Doshnitsky from the London Business School. Gary, could you take a few minutes to share your story and how you got to where you are today?
1: Good. So this is a great question and it made me reflect back on my childhood. I have a confession. It's between you, me, and maybe our viewers. And that is that uh, i was a geek as a child uh, 11 year old i would sit at home and write uh, machine code and assembly code i would write all kind of uh, programs and, uh, and i would enjoy it a great deal i would write software to write software and so on and so forth and fast forward i found myself uh, in new york in the late 90s during the height of uh, the dot-com bubble This was a really exciting uh, time. There's lots of uh, money um, going around, lots of uh, exciting innovation. There were all these venture capitalists, but uh, equally, it was a very important moment for corporate VCs. There was an influx of corporate VCs going on there. And I was uh, thinking about how can these corporate investors help geeks such as myself, maybe have a better go-to-market strategy or a better one, maybe align their technology with the corporate technology. And that's how I got interested in it. I um, got my degree in the U.S. I then moved on to become a faculty member at the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania, where I'm still a senior fellow at the Mac Center for Technological Innovation. And over the last uh, just over a decade, I've been a faculty member here at London Business School, which actually allows me to open my eyes and look at venturing, not just in the U.S., but uh, that might be something that we'll get to uh, in a second. A lot of my academic work is around entrepreneurial finance and corporate venturing. I also uh, do consulting and teaching within this space.
0: Very nice. Can you walk us through the past and what we should be learning from that past?
1: Sure. And this is actually an excellent question. It's always good to start at the beginning. Depending on the resources that you are looking at, many people place the starting point of corporate venture capital in the 1960s. At that point in time, those of you who are history buffs might remember in terms of corporate America, there was this big wave of conglomerate building these empires. It was partly fueled by the fact that companies started having a lot of cash flow. It was also partly uh, driven by the fact that at that point in time, technological innovation and venture capital became more and more celebrated. Um, the ARD, which is uh, one of the first institutional VCs started in the late forties and some of its offsprings have really proven the venture capital model. And you started having corporations from Exxon and others investing in entrepreneurial ventures, by the way, some of them were internals, others were externals. This party went on up until the fuel crisis, the collapse of the market in the early seventies. At that point, many corporations rationalizing their activities, corporate venture capital being the casualty. So that was arguably the first wave. Fast forward to the eighties. What we see is again, another new wave of corporate venture capital. This was partly driven by various innovations, we've uh, had digital equipment and other companies coming to fruition. We also seen a growth of the venture capital market. Those of uh, your viewers who who follow the venture capital industry, uh, there's what's called the Prudent Man Rule in uh, 1979, that allowed pension funds to allocate a larger share of their asset, AUM, to risky projects, which unleashed money into uh, VCs, corporates followed suit. And again, 1987 uh, was not a good year for the market and, and have seen many uh, corporates seize, uh operations. So we have this um, excitement uh, by the corporates and soon there's a truncation. And most recently, uh, relatively recently, the period where I lived in was the 1990s. You had the dot-com, but you also had some really innovation on the hardware side with uh, the telecommunication, fiber optics, and so on and so forth. And you've seen entrance by VCs and corporations. And when the dot-com um, bubble has burst, we've seen many corporate uh, exited. These are the waves. I would like to believe uh, you with is two observations. And one observation is that oftentimes these waves of corporate VCs have paralleled waves of technological innovation. Mm. You've seen a growth in certain technologies in the 1990s. It was the telecommunication routers and so on, and so forth. Cisco was a, a big investor of the time, Intel capital and others. And there are studies, including studies that I've conducted, basically showing that companies that engage in corporate venture capital have a higher patenting output than their industry peers. And the more corporate venture capital you engage in, the more and the higher quality patenting you have. And this is, I think, an insight that have stayed with people. There is one element that I want to flag here, and that is it created this notion that CVC is a tool to gain a window on technology. And I think it is, but where I'd like to leave you with is that maybe there are other ways of using CVC. So that might be one observation. The second observation is the fact that CVCs were soon to exit. And we will probably talk about red flags at some point in time. It is true to understand that VCs, who were at times left with some of the syndicate members out of the picture, have developed some concerns about uh, corporate investors. And one has to approach this heads on. Now it doesn't mean that we need to throw the baby with the bathwater. Just because something didn't work out once doesn't mean that it will never work or that it's not fit for purpose in other situations.
0: Yeah, especially when the context is different. I like to always try to stress test what looks like correlation and causation. And let me ask a question, maybe cheekily, because I do like the idea of CVCs will drive more innovation in corporations, but. Is there an argument to say that corporations that have CVCs already have the right mindset to create more innovations? And it may not be the CVC itself, but the CVC plus all the other corporate venturing tool sets coming from that DNA of we want to explore
1: and learn. So this is an excellent question. And in fact, uh, this is what kept my PhD not just two months, but two years, because you need to tackle this issue of endogeneity. Could it be that there's this latent variable They're just more innovative and they both do more patents and they also do more CVC, but it's not the CVC that is driving the innovation activity. And this is where you do any number of things in order to do that, from actually talking to people and understanding how visibility into the startup ecosystem helps with driving innovation. And it can be because the startup you engage in are working on projects that allow you to become better. It can be because working around those startups actually makes you aware of other needs uh, where you as a corporate have the capacity to push this forward. And it can be that walking around startups can actually show you what doesn't work. And so you are more effective at realigning your internal R&D so that you have a better punch for the buck. And so talking to people, you get a sense of what are the underlying mechanism. And then as a good academic and a, commenti- a commentrician, You also engage in various strategies in order to attempt to uh, address what we call an endogeneity concern is.
0: I used to to say that my ROI, what I'm expecting from our first fund was $50 million. I used to say my financial performance on that fund is $10 billion revenue increase for TDK. This is really what you're getting at. Now, one thing that struck me from the past, so I want to also continue asking a few questions about the past, is when you are in crisis you have two mechanisms one is to shrink and one is to look for opportunities and in the past the cvcs have shrunk or stopped but in the last two years and a half with covid and lockdowns and geopolitical issues and supply chain issues we ended up with half of the active cvcs investing during this period being new cvcs can you speak to that contrast from the past where corporation would shrink versus now, where it seems to be reacting to crisis in a positive way.
1: Yeah. I don't know if it's in a positive way, but it's spurring more corporate VCs. I think that a number of things are happening. I think that uh, we need to take it in a context. I think the first one is that what this crisis did, and especially the last two years with COVID and everything else, as you've mentioned, have just made it so visible how digital disruption is upon us. And the fact that you need to engage with the dig- digital disruption, the fact that many, some of these startups that were not on your radar screen on a day-to-day basis, actually clients are going to these startups. It's not just that annoying head or CVC wannabe are telling the board that we need to do that, but you have your business line telling you we are losing business to companies that were not on our radar screen before Those are startups, some of them. We see that in higher education, by the way, That gave a sense of urgency to many corporations, D2Cs in consumer goods, digital disruption and empowerment in fintech and otherwise, these have been very important. And then at the same time, what you see in overall excitement, rejuvenation within the world of venture, we've seen bigger funds, but also what we've seen are emerging managers. And I'm sure that you've seen, it's not just that you have lots of new time CVCs, you actually have a lot of new time VCs more than ever before. I think I've seen some stats that the last two years have seen more emerging managers, more new VCs than maybe the decade or two before that. And you have very bright people working within these corporations. So not with the VCs, but within corporations saying, actually my friend or a person I know is setting up a venture fund. I think I can do so too. And Mm -hmm. so, both that kind of urgency that you feel in the product market as well as the benchmarking of individuals and the the fact that i don't know if to call them mid-level managers uh but people who might not be at the board level but people who drive strategy innovation see that emerging managers can build new vcs maybe we can also build a cvc and taken together that explains some of the uh, resurgence of uh, cvc
0: I have to double click on this one, but do you see this massive number of emerging managers, VCs and CVCs being a good thing? And it's actually, if we think about supply and demand, getting to an equilibrium, or do you think we're overshooting and then we are going to see a return to a fewer number? What would you expect?
1: If you ask me whether 100% of the emerging managers will be with us in five years time, I think the answer is no. How do I calibrate it? It's difficult to say. What I would like to think is that one of the things that these emerging managers have done, they are a new path to introduce diversity along multiple dimensions. And so many times, very successful people within a corporate setting saying, I had enough, I'm gonna start my own venture. And when I ask them, can you explain to me, why would you leave a corporation that put aside all the personal kind of benefits, but that has a footprint of clients across the world that has the capacity to uh, give you access to uh, technical talent that Mm. have the budget. Why would you leave all that and go start on your own?
0: Now, I want to close on the past with just one more question, which is what do you think is the biggest learning that we haven't discussed already from the past as we move into the modern CVCs?
1: I think that uh, the discipline of uh, having a continued presence in the market is probably that venture capital is not a short-term game. It's a long-term game. And as I tell my uh, students, the people I work with and otherwise, it's not how well you do on this portfolio company. It's how do you do on the next portfolio you are aiming to build. And there's relationship and knowledge that's embedded in the community and the need to be mindful of that and manage that I think it is one of the key learnings, which in a way leads us to what the modern CVC might look like.
0: Very nice. Would you say that most of the CVCs today have a clear understanding about their why? And what was a pitfall you've seen on them defining their why and matching their design?
1: I think one of the reasons I enjoy having this conversation with you in particular is that rather than selling my way of CVC, you actually embrace and advocate the fact that there might be a different way. Frank Sinatra used to say, I did it my way and your way might be different than my way. I literally remember a consulting job when when the team came to me and they had done a great, they would get an A plus on a case study on what used to be a very prominent CVC at the time.
0: So the compensation I'm assuming would be different, whether you're trying yeah. to enable an ecosystem and you have much more certainty and inside knowledge and ability to influence the outcome of the startup versus those who are much more long-term bet. How do you see these differences?
1: I think that you are completely on the right track. But what you've just articulated is the need to have thoughtful design yeah. going into that. High power incentives might be relevant under certain wise and might actually be less relevant under different whys and so i think that's exactly the point of consideration where i would argue that there's been some challenges is that when we look at how do i can from my own experience the companies i studied or the companies i worked with how do they actually approach the design of a corporate VC? Mm. in one of two ways the first one is what i call mimetic isomorphism which is a very loaded academic terms to say copy-paste. There's been a certain CVC in the news or a certain CVC that my school uh, uh, buddy is running and I copy-paste what they've done. I mimic them. That's one way. And so I tend to build a CVC that I have a template for, irrespective of whether it's appropriate for my organization. The second element that uh, affects uh, a lot of efforts to build a CVC has to do with stakeholder management. Uh, I don't need to tell you and anyone here who has attempted structuring a CVC that there are many stakeholders within the organization you need to manage. And everybody wants the uh, well-being of the overall cooperation, or at least one would hope hopeful, but they have very different views on what that entails. And in the process of going through approval at the various level and ultimately the board level, you might end up with a structure that satisfy those different demands, but doesn't necessarily achieve that alignment that that you are advocating. And so these are red flags, or these are the realities that any uh, corporate VCs go through. And what you need to do is you need to have the presence of mind and the moral support. Sometimes for me as an academic, having objective data does that. So having studies such as the one I've talked to you earlier gives me that comfort to say, I see where you're coming from. I understand what you're saying. But if you subscribe the same as I do for the why, we need to break from corporate convention and actually make a change over here.
0: And that is for me a golden nugget, which is if you're clear about the why and you propose a design, you need to stick to your guns and make sure that what's linked to that why doesn't change. And if not, you might actually cripple the CVC, even before it gets started. And it's not once you get started with a wrong track, it's going to be easy to fix afterwards. If anything, it's much, much harder. What's your view about managing the stakeholders in a way where you can be soft in some places, but firm on the ones that matter. Do you have any guidance from what you've observed? Let's start with maybe what could be the red flags? And then we'll talk about all the goodness, including what you talked about, the positive impact to entrepreneurs that can even scale. But let's start with the red flag. So what would you say you see for the future?
1: Not be me drinking the Kool-Aid, but this would be me doubling down on not to throw the baby with the bathwater. Will we have with us 100% of the corporate VCs that have been launched over the, two year, the last two years? Probably not. But will we have 100% of the emerging managers that have started over the last two years? Probably not. And that statement is true too. Will we have 100% of the marketing strategies that have been innovated during COVID with us? Probably not. What you don't want to do is you don't want to say that corporate venture capital is not legit or doesn't have anything to play. And I think historically, given the boom and bust and given that it was a little bit more of a foreign experience, that was the takeaway. We're quite hopeful. Is that we understand now that engaging the ecosystem of entrepreneurial venture is important for multiple reasons, and so to completely eliminate that is probably not going to happen. Where one is could be hopeful. What that tells you is that rather than make it a switch on switch off, you need to take a hard look at how do I structure it. And one of the things that we've seen and we've seen along the long-lasting corporate VCs is that they change. They evolve. They morph. Yeah. Their objectives, their structure, the way they play is not necessarily been what it has been 21 years ago, 27 years ago. The context change, the corporate change, and the corporate VC changes with it. And this is, if, if you allow me, I say that whenever I engage in, corpor- in a conversation, there are usually two Points in time. It is either that six to three months before launching the corporate VC as one try to think about what would be the structure. Mm. And it's three to five years after launching the CVC as one think about, okay, what do life look like as 2.0, as 3.0. And each one of them involves an existential crisis of sort. And this is where you, are, you need to manage. Where I'm hopeful for is that uh, people will take this advice uh, where the red flags are, are ignoring it, thinking that just because I've been underwritten for, last, for the first two years, I'll be continued to be underwritten for the next three years. Just because venture was successful in 2020 or popular in 2020, it will continue to be so in 2023. I think that's where some of the red flags come from.
0: Okay. I'm going to ask for more red flags.
1: More red flags. I think the first one is when I talked about earlier, I talked about how you want to think about structure for, say, investment committee. Or Mm -hmm. you want to think about people, who are the people there. Or you want to think about compensation, how do you compensate them. Oftentimes, I see decks that really do sample best practices along each one of these dimensions but unfortunately they are not aligned along the dimensions by analogy you can have the best uh sports shoes on but if you are then dressed in a tuxedo you are probably not going to win that race okay Uh, you look great you look well uh, let's put that on the side Uh, but you need to have that alignment what can look like best practice on any single dimension doesn't guarantee that as a whole you're aligned and engage with many thoughtful people that can understand why certain dimensions are important sometimes they say i was able to pitch my point on investment committee structure and the team i need i'm gonna have to seed on compensation i'll let that one go it doesn't work that way if you want to think about it from kind of basic combinatorics you need three things to work and the first one you have structured. So you have 90% fighting chance and the second one you structured so that you have 90% fighting chance, but then the last one you've seated on. So you only have 10% fighting chance, your fighting chance is a function of the 90 times 90 times 10% you are diluting yourself from the get go. And it's very easy to, uh, if you just have a little bit of insight to go in and say, guys, Let's just think that through, let's see what that does to us. So this is, not just each component by itself, but the alignment is another one.
0: It's a golden nugget because it's actually hundreds of design decisions for each CVC. And what matters is not trying to maximize each, but that alignment that becomes harmonious. And from experience, this is really hard. And this is where you always have to go back to the why to explain why it makes sense.
1: And you're saying it with a smile on your face, but I know the amount of agony that yourself and many others have had what is for you to, to making it uh, stick. And then if I go back today, we're talking a lot from a point of view of designing from scratch, as if you have tabular rasa and you're designing it. The same challenge comes to you in year three or four, where let's say you're not being terminated, but people actually suggest that why won't you take on this and that? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's great, but other times it can actually lead to dilution of what you're trying to do. And you need to be very clear about it. Should it all live under a single structure? Maybe it actually needs to follow different structures. You need to have presence of mind and perseverance to, again, understand how you best align yourself to win on everyone. And KPIs that might be relevant for ecosystem building might not be relevant for window and technology, but if you try to now put both objectives, because you've been asked to in year three, you try to now make a plan, you already know from the get-go that you're going to dilute your traction on any single API.
0: Now, I want to ask about this positive impact to startups, because that's also a place where we should be so hopeful and even ambitious.
1: So I think the first and foremost is that it's incumbent upon us to understand what is the impact on startup. And let me be very sincere. Some of my earlier work on CVC was informed by the fact that there are challenges. Uh, one of the first uh, quotes I had from a founder told me it's very difficult for me to open the kimono to a team that uh, that has all the technical stuff, Well, they have 10 times the technical stuff that I do and share those insights with me. And I think this is where working with CVCs that have longevity, that have proven their ability to manage this relationship, in a meaningful way, not just with one startup, but with multiple is quite important. They build a, rapport, a reputation that we talked about earlier. So there are challenges, but there are also opportunities. If nothing else, we know or we've been told that capital is a commodity. Mm. Property investors have been a type of investors that bring more than just capital. They bring many other things. And so this has been lost uh, maybe in the argument. Those that uh, receive corporate backing are more likely to be innovative. So at the time of investment, they are more likely to have more patents and more publication, scientific publication compared to their age group. Maybe more interestingly, when we look at what happened from the moment they got the investment, four years out, mm-hmm. what we find is that Those that have been backed only by VCs, about 14% of them are likely to uh, turn from innovation laggards. So they lag on patenting and publication to innovation leaders. Those backed by corporates, they have 27% chance. That's a big jump. That's a big jump. And when we talk to people, one of the things that we see is simple stuff. I don't know if it's simple or not. Where do I buy a spectrometer? Where do I buy a spectrometer? When you have the team in a corporate that can get you there, maybe can get it faster to you, maybe can get you the right one, that advice can be very helpful.
0: Wow. Gary, this was a fantastic interview. Thank you for sharing not a practitioner view, but actually an observer that actually can articulate and dissect all of this for us. Thank you very much, Gary.
1: Thank you very much, Nikolai. It's been a pleasure and I'm glad you found it useful.